0: Hi, I'm Winnie De Silva. As a leadership strategist and executive coach, I've had the privilege of working with leaders from companies of all sizes and industries for over 20 years. Welcome to Transformative Leadership Conversations. My guest today has over 15 years experience in the real estate industry and is currently the EVP and CFO at Donahue Schreiber. He works closely with the CEO and the executive committee to direct the company's strategic vision and daily operations. Donahue Shriver is a private real estate investment trust with a portfolio of high quality shopping centers in the Western United States.
1: I never realized how defensive I was. And from there on out, I can't say I do it every time, but it's certainly something I'm focused on. I've got to be willing to hear it because and not react. I got to take what they say and I got to digest it. And if I do that, I've taken the time to reflect. I've realized there's really truth to this. There's something I've got to think about versus just giving them that gut reaction. If I'm defensive all the time and I don't let people give me feedback, they don't want to give it to me. They're saying, oh yeah, everything's fine. How does that help me grow if I'm not getting the feedback?
0: Kevin Halloran, thank you for being on my show. I'm really excited for you to be here.
1: Absolutely. I always love catching up with you. So excited to take part of this.
0: You have recently started a new position. You're now the executive vice president and CFO at Donahue Schreiber. You moved to California all in the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about leadership challenges in a minute, but those are some major personal challenges that you recently dealt with, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it was an opportunity that kind of came out of the blue for me. My former boss from Starwood Retail their CEO, Michael I'm sure he was moving to Donahue Shriver out in California and asked me to join him as a CFO. So I took the leap and went out there to leave cold and gray Chicago to go to sunny Southern California. as a nice move, to say the least. Starwood was a great company. They're both retail platforms. Starwood owned regional shopping centers. Donahue Shriver, where I went to, they own grocery anchored centers. So many people right now think that it's all bad, but it's are all created equally. So I'm really excited about this move.
0: I was going to ask you about that. I was thinking retail to retail, even though, yeah, it seems like that's definitely an an industry that's hurting right now. But... It sounds like the portfolio of Donahue Schreiber isn't hurting as much as maybe some other portfolios.
1: That's that's exactly right. At the end of the day, it's all about foot traffic. And when you own a grocery store during the pandemic, what's one thing that we're all doing? Everyone's stuck at home and they can't go out to eat. So where do they got to go? They're going to the grocery store to get food. So these grocery stores have done exceptionally well during the pandemic. I'm really excited to be in this new world of the, the grocery anchor shopping center. We've
0: worked together for a while. What would you say is a leadership challenge that you faced over
1: your career? I would say my biggest one would have been five years ago when I was at Starwood, taking on a larger team. I had worked for a CFO for a short period of time and she resigned after being there for about eight months. And I ended up leading the team and they didn't end up hiring another CFO. And I just, manage the position until I left back in September. So that was a huge aspect I would say of my career over the past five years. And then I'm certainly leading into one right now as I started Donahue Schreiber. As we said, in the middle of a pandemic, you're trying to meet people in the organization when everyone's working from home and remotely. You're trying to learn the business, learn the people, but do it remote. Certainly walking into a new challenge, but I think my past is certainly gonna help me succeed as I move into the future with my new organization
0: it's an interesting challenge and when your boss leaves and then all of a sudden <laughs> you then take over that role but yet you weren't necessarily given that role officially is that right
1: yeah that's right right after my boss had left the plan was they were going to hire a new cfo and i was part of the interview team had met with four five six different candidates okay. and while that was happening i said to myself i don't want this to happen i don't yeah. think we need the role i think i can do it i think i can manage it because the, the the organization has changed when my CFO was hired, the plan was that the company was going to go public and she had that background to take the company public. By the time she left, that had come off the table. I didn't have the skill set to be a CFO to take the company public, but in, in this new world, I was like, I think I can do this. I'd rather show you that I can do something versus tell you that I can do it and then prove later on. As the process took more time, I just said to myself, Kevin, just keep your head down, pull the finance team together and just get the job done. And in a few months, my hope was that they would see the jobs getting done. Why do we need to hire someone? And that's what happened. We never had an official conversation about it or (laughs) anything like that. But the idea of hiring somebody, just other fires came up and I just was managing it with the team and we were all working together and getting the job done. So we never ended up hiring someone, but it's not something that just happened. It was working with peers and people that were on my team so that we were all rolling in the same direction.
0: How did you do that? What were things that were particularly challenging to bring the whole team together and really function as the CFO through that time? Because it could have been that your team was like, hey, you're not the CFO, or people could have been resistant somehow.
1: I think the beauty of it was that it was all of us together wanting to push forward. There wasn't two sides. We all came together and We called ourselves the finance committee. We just said, okay, this is the group of people in the different disciplines that represent finance, and we would meet weekly and talk about the issues we were having and how one group impacted another, and we we worked through our problems. At the time, I was the most senior person, but it's not like anybody nominated me. I tried to step into those leadership shoes Mm -hmm. and help make decisions. But it was important to me that we worked together and made decisions that benefited all of us. And I think. Being collaborative was a huge part. It wasn't me sitting down saying, okay, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. If I was on the receiving end of that, I would have said, forget you, you, I don't report to you. But it wasn't my method here. It was, okay, how do we all solve this problem together?
0: It sounds like your ability to come to the team and say, we're in it together, let's figure this out. And creating this committee where you gave people uh, a voice in decision-making, but you were still also able to make decisions, even if everyone didn't agree.
1: That's right. When I figured out how important it was to let their voices be heard, I learned to make sure my team do the same thing. At that time, we were trying to restructure the accounting group. So people were working long hours and people get tired of it. And that's fair. So one of the things I had to implement was, how do I make this more efficient? I can't have these people burn out. So what are we going to do to change this around? Part of that was getting this group of people to their process, for instance, on what would they change? What technology would I implement? How can I work with other groups and teams that will make me more efficient without causing them additional work? And we had the team do that without me. I didn't want to be part of that because I didn't want to be swaying their views. You as a team meet every couple of weeks and then after a certain period of time, come and present to me what your views are. And then I would digest what they said and give my viewpoint. And in time, we developed a process that was thought out by the people who were doing the work. They know better than me. They had their view on how to do something. My opinion was heard as well. And I think we ultimately created something that people are proud to show. I created this and we all created it together. I think that's so important on a team. It's not just one person dictating downward. This is how it has to be done. And that helped us significantly.
0: I I feel like you have a natural way of being able to do that with people, bringing them in and recognizing people for the value that they have. And it sounds like that's what you did. You're the ones who do this on a day-to-day basis. So collaborate with each other to come up with it, and and I'll help and support you.
1: Agreed. And I think it's also having the people understand the benefits to them. Yes, there's a benefit that it's gonna make it more efficient. And once they get this resolved, they're not gonna be working the later hours, right? But we have more time to do more analysis, more strategic thinking versus just crunching numbers. When you start thinking like that and the company grows, then that's other opportunities for you to move on and do other things. And I think people need to see that sometimes, that it's not just create efficiencies and save time, right? There's an aspect of that, but they need to see for themselves of how to benefit me and my career. There's people that rise to the challenge and there's people who sometimes don't. They don't have that mindset of enjoy it. And I think that's fine. You can't have everybody who wants to be a problem solver, but yeah. those that enjoy it, as new problems come up, they help address them. And then as new opportunities come up, you also realize those are people that you can tap for something new and different because they like that uncharted territory to figure out a problem
0: you're seeing the people who want to be problem solvers and want to be a part of creating the solution and
1: you're empowering those people that's right that's not something i intentionally did now it is part of my strategy is see who likes it and see who doesn't and i don't fault somebody if they don't gravitate towards it but then i know who i can lean on i love seeing it and i love seeing how the people grow one of the other things i'm always keeping in mind if i'm restructuring a team is how important the initial part of successful, because they okay. are often going to have people that are skeptical. You're changing all this up and I don't believe that it's going to work. Start slower so that you are successful initially, because if you do that, you'll get more people that buy in. And then when you have more people that are bought in, they're all rowing in the same direction as you, and then they're helping you be successful, right? So you have less naysayers and more people that are on your team. And then that makes it even easier to change. I learned I had to do something bite-sized. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, If I failed, they were never going to get back on board. I have one or two shots to make it work for them to buy in.
0: What you're saying is, let's start small, build some success, but you're still bringing people into helping build that success. It's what you said at the beginning, I'm going to show rather than tell. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And so let's show each other that we can be successful and be even bolder as we continue to build on that success.
1: That's exactly right. In my new company, there's a lot of things that I'm looking to change and implement, and the company is great right now it's not that a company is dysfunctional or can't get the job done they do okay. excellent work but i think that in certain areas there's more efficient ways to do it and if i went to them right now and said okay we're going to change 25 things and they've been doing it one way for the past 20 years they're shocked there's going to be like there's no way we can do that okay. so right now there's two things that i'm talking about because part of it for me is We've all got to learn to work together. So let's take it slow. That's where we're at right now in my new company. It's just, let's take it slow. Let's knock these two off. And then we'll keep talking about these new ones. And I know we're going to get there because people will see it. They're going to see it in a matter of a couple of months, how much time we just saved.
0: There's a lot of nice crossover from what you learned at Starwood Retail Partners with your new position at Donahue Shriver.
1: There is absolutely. And I personally love this type of stuff. It's a different challenge now to go in, the team is already hired and how do I change an existing team? So it's a different type of challenge, but I'm excited. In some ways, it's easier to build
0: a team from scratch. So starting with people and processes that are already there, especially since the company has been around for a while. But like you said, you've got some great material to work with.
1: That's exactly right. It's fun because I'm meeting people, learning about them and what makes them tick. And I think that's important as you're leading a team.
0: How do you practically get to know people? How does
1: that happen? I think it's just being honest and it's having Mm -hmm. real conversations with people, right? As much as I want them to hear me, I've got to hear them. People want their voices to be heard. So I think it's having honest conversations. A couple of weeks ago, somebody on my team, we're working together for the first time. So we're learning more about one another and the way she communicates versus the way that I communicate. They're just different. And Mm -hmm. it was a Sunday afternoon. We're trying to prep for a board meeting and I'm just giving the information, just give me the information. And I just wasn't getting it fast enough. And I got frustrated. So the next day I went to her and I said, look, I apologize for the way I reacted. I got short with you and I was under pressure. And I said to her, I know that's my Achilles heel. That's how I can be when I'm under pressure. That's not your fault. It's something that I'm trying to work on. I know I've gotten better over the years, but there's still room for improvement. I said, but on the flip side, I want you to hear how. I'd ask you to communicate with me. Give me the punchline first, and then let's talk about the details. It was an honest conversation. I think she got to know me better, and we talked about what her style is. I personally left the conversation feeling much better. I I think she did as well. I could have just taken the, the, the approach. It was her fault, and she didn't deliver it. But I recognize where my shortcomings are. I think just being honest with people and building that trust is important for getting to know them. When I first started working with you, I always used mm-hmm. to say my hour on the couch with Winnie it was my favorite time of the week <laughs> to reflect on what was going on at work and how to manage things. We did a 360 and i would gotten some feedback yep. from people. And one of it was being able to receive feedback. I didn't receive it well. And at the same time, I wasn't giving feedback either. And my boss at the time, the one that left, I was having a hard time connecting with her. I was used to doing my own thing. She was new to the organization. So she was trying to, you know, figure things out herself. And I was having a hard time connecting with her and me and you would talk about this a bit when our sessions. And finally, I approached her and expressed the way that I was feeling and where I was struggling and how I felt about it. And I'll never forget her reaction She was dumbfounded. I think from that moment of being honest with her, we still have a great relationship today. I I talked to her as (laughs) recent as as two weeks ago. And I think that she wasn't trying to make me unhappy or to be tough on me. When I expressed it to her, she had a bit of a realization and it, it made me feel better that I could share the way that I felt. That's something that's carried along with me over my career. It's important to have honest conversations and Yes, there can be constructive criticism. It's not coming from a place of yelling or it's not emotional. You're both willing and ready to talk about it. Those are just so important over time. You've got to have them as uncomfortable as they might be. I'm the type of person that I want you to know where I stand. So when you walk away from a conversation, it's not, what did he mean by that? Am I in trouble or not? Like We had a conversation. This is what it was. When we end this conversation, it's in the past and we're just moving forward. But to do that, you've got to have honest conversations at some point.
0: Does it get easier (laughs) having those honest conversations?
1: (laughs) Yes and no. There's always still those times where you're having, you're like, oh, I don't want to do this. But for me, it gets easier in the sense that I know the outcome is going to be good. I know in the moment it sucks that I don't want to do it. Yeah, right. I think after doing it a few times, you start seeing the benefits of having those conversations. And like I said, I go back to this one with my old boss. If I don't have an honest conversation, I don't know if I have a relationship with her now. She's a mentor to me. She's someone I look up to. and I'm so happy that I had the uncomfortable 30-minute conversation because here we are five years later, and I still have the ability to learn from her and lean on her.
0: We were talking about this the other day, and it's almost like when you are in a relationship and you have to have that tough conversation Many times, assuming it goes well and you're able to have the conversation in a productive way, you feel closer to them more so Mm -hmm. than you would if there wasn't that tension.
1: Yep, absolutely. I did not realize this was being open to feedback, asking for it and going in there and just being ready for it because I never realized how defensive I was. And from there on out, I can't say I do it every time, but it's certainly something I focused on. I've got to be willing to hear it because... And not react i got to take what they say and i got to digest it and if i do that i've taken the time to reflect i've realized okay there's really truth to this there's really something i've got to think about versus just giving them that gut reaction if i'm defensive all the time and i don't let people give me feedback they don't want to give it to me then how does that help me grow if i'm not getting the feedback they're saying oh yeah everything's fine then you're not growing and you're not changing it doesn't just play down from your bosses i've got to be able to receive feedback from my team it's important to to hear people out.
0: How do you get people to give you feedback if it's your direct reports? But let's say peers or your boss or even senior stakeholders, how do you get people to give you that feedback?
1: I specifically set up time. I report to the CEO. He's got a million things going on. If something is big time wrong, he's certainly going to tell me. But it's one of those things you want a well-rounded view of what they're thinking about. You've got to set up that time. And I would always tell my team that if you want feedback, You've got to ask for it. If you're waiting for me to do it, yes, I'm definitely giving it to you here and there. But sitting down and being ready for it, if you're being told it right after you did something wrong, there's five reasons in your mind why it went that way. And then that's when you're defensive versus if I go and I ask for it when it's just a normal day, nothing has happened, you're not emotional, and then you hear it. I set up touch points for them to hear from me and me to hear from them. Come prepared to talk.
0: You're telling people you expect that conversation is going to happen, that you're going to give them feedback and you expect them to give feedback to you. Have you communicated this expectation to your new team yet?
1: In the new role, I haven't. I'm week six, and so I haven't done that yet, but it's certainly something I want to do. My boss, one of the reasons why I love working with him is that he is very open for me to tell him what I think share your view. He doesn't need to agree with it, right? He can certainly certainly go another way and make his own, he's going to make his own decision. And I respect that. But he gives me the ability to share my view. And working for him, I love it. I share my view. I hear the decision he's made. It gives me the ability to say, why did you make that decision? So I'm learning from that. And I like to be treated that way. So how could I not in turn treat my team like that? There's a balance, right? People have to be comfortable with it and understand that every time you share your opinion, it's not always gonna go that way. Someone once said, I give people three tries. Come to me three times with your opinion. And if I don't change my view, you have to stop at that point. You've tried, you have not convinced me of it. Now let's not belabor it, we've gotta move forward. A lot of times when people bring something to me, I'll have my initial thoughts and reaction of, no, it should be the way I was originally thinking. But when I take the time to digest it over a day or two, more times than not, they will convince me of, okay, their view is the right view and let's go with it. That's important for them to know. That's why they get a couple tries to do it.
0: There's a lot of self-awareness you're referring to. I realize I need some time to process and think about things. So I'm going to let you have some runway on this idea and to convince me. But at some point it ends and you know that about yourself and you're willing to share that with people. That's what you were saying about Michael, right? You feel like you're a partner, feel like you're someone that can influence and lead with him, even if at the end of the day, he's going to make his own decisions.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, I I learned a lot of that from him. If I enjoy it so much, it wouldn't be right if I didn't practice that on my own team. I certainly have room Mm -hmm. to to grow on this one. (laughs) I know I know I'm not perfect. It's one of those things that, as long as I'm self aware, as you said, I think it can only go a positive direction. They need to understand how I'm thinking about things because they don't know how to read my mind.
0: And it does go back to your approach of just getting to know people. And when I asked how do you do that, you're like just have honest conversations. And you're right, spending time with people helps you get to know them and understand what they're like, what they don't like, what their style is, how they think, how they process things. I would love to go just a little bit deeper. What from your past has helped you through times of adversity or difficulty or challenge?
1: I grew up in a small family business. My grandfather started a bowling alley that my dad and my uncles have run since I was a kid. So I started working there. I guess in second grade doing odd jobs (laughs) up through high school. I I always worked there from selling pizza behind the bar to working at the counter to delivering pizzas. I've always been around a small business and it always stands out in my mind. I was probably 16 years old. I worked on Saturdays. It was kids leagues in the morning and it was birthday parties in the afternoon. It was a 50 lane bowling alley and you had had 30 minutes to turn the whole place over from getting the birthday parties out to the adult leagues coming in. And my dad would come in around that time. He, he would work the evenings, and he's in dress pants and a collared shirt and he would be cleaning the lane, putting bowling balls away and sweeping the floors. And I looked at him once and I was like, why are you doing that, dad? I was like, the high school kids like me, they should be doing it. Kevin, yes, I'm the manager, but at certain times you just got to pitch in and do what you need to do to get the job done. And it was all hands on deck in those 30 minutes to get it ready. And for whatever reason, that moment always stood out with me as I carried through my career. Yes, you're the manager or the boss, but part of your responsibility is to jump in and get something done at times when your team needs it, because they shouldn't just be there on their own. You've got to pitch in and help. There's a balance for that, right? You can't jump into every fire drill. But I think it's keeping an eye on your team and knowing where they are challenged and giving them support. Sometimes it's me jumping in. Other times it's, okay, how do I look to my other teams to support this other one, the one that's challenged right now? Part of that comes from my public accounting days. We're all one team. Fine, I might have five different disciplines that report to me, but I very much view us as one team. That's how I did it at Starwood. I think it really worked out because everyone was working towards the common goal. Everyone knew that if there was a board meeting coming up, that people had to pitch in And I think people did it because when they were the ones that needed help, they were going to get it for one. And two, I think it helps people understand the business better. If you got to jump in and help a different group out, you start learning more about what that discipline does and how it impacts what you do. It just helps for more well-rounded people if they start learning from one another. So that little moment of my life working at a bowling alley, I never thought how much it was going to impact me throughout my career 20 some years later.
0: That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. That's quintessential leadership. To know I'm in charge, but I'm willing to jump in wherever I need to. But at the same time, I'm going to let people do their job to the best of their ability. But when they need me, I'm going to be there. And for whatever they need me for, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to help.
1: When we do something well, it's the team did it. When something goes wrong, it's my fault. It serves me well to pitch in when we need to, because people know that you're there to help. You're not there just to boss them around. So. That's
0: exactly. No, I think that's really powerful. One last question before we go. Is there any advice you would give someone just starting out in their career or advice you would have given to yourself if you could at 22, 23 years old?
1: Do what your boss asks of you. Keep your head down. Okay. And when some project pops up, even if it's not your dream project, you don't love it, take it and run with it. Because okay. when you're out of your comfort zone and your boss sees that you crushed it, When the next one comes up, something maybe you're interested in, there's a better chance it's going to come on your desk. It's important take everything and run with it. Because if you're the person that's going to sit back and say, no, I don't want to help with that. Why are they going to promote you to the next role when it comes up? So take every challenge and just do as best as you can with it. And I think you'll end up shining at the end of the day. Kevin, this
0: was such a fun conversation. Really appreciate your just being honest, having an honest conversation with me right now. (laughs) So thank you for being on my show. Anytime. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Winnie. Have a good one.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transformative Leadership Conversations with me, your host, Winnie De Silva. I hope you enjoyed my conversation. To learn more about my work in executive coaching, leadership development, and team effectiveness, check out my website at www.WinnieDaSilva.com. Or you can email me at Winnie at Winifred.org. I'd also love to connect with you on LinkedIn reach out and tell me what was helpful about today's episode or tell me about any other suggestions you have for my show. I look forward to sharing another transformative conversation with you next week.